All right, I want you to turn to Psalm 42. We'll be in some other scripture, but Psalm 42. And um, it's going to be a little different, the message, um, in the fact that the Lord put something very strongly on my heart. You know, I'm not in a series this fall, as I've said. I've just been doing messages as the Lord's led me. And the title of the message is Under Attack. The reason I believe the Lord spoke this message to me is because Christmas is a joyful time of year, but we all seem to have um, some sort of sadness at this time also. Uh, I can remember the first Thanksgiving that we had that Josh was away at college and he couldn't come in. He went to college in Florida and he couldn't come in for Thanksgiving, but he could come in for Christmas, but he couldn't come in because he was in Florida, just a couple days off. I think he only had Thanksgiving off actually and had class on Friday. And um, I remember walking into the room before we all gathered for Thanksgiving meal and, you know, Debbie was crying. And uh, I was just thinking, you know, it's Thanksgiving. She said, yeah, but this is the first Thanksgiving since Josh was born that he's not here. You, anyone relate to what I'm saying? I know the men are thinking, it's Thanksgiving, it's turkey, it's the cowboys. I'm not really following you right now, Pastor Robert. <laughs> but I want to also delve into that we all lose people on this earth. That's a part of, of living on this earth. And so I think at Christmas, whether we have lost someone this year or a few years ago, or maybe many, many years ago, it would simply be natural for us to think about that person not being there. Here's what I want to tell you, though. Satan is the cruelest person I know. You think about the cruelest person you've ever heard of that ever lived, possibly a mass murderer. Let me explain to you that Satan was behind that person. Uh, I have some friends that they lost their son, and I talked with them on the day they found out, and I said to them, uh, this may seem strange what I'm about to tell you, but you would think that when you're going through a tragedy like this, that Satan would give you a break, that he'd leave you alone, but he won't. And he will attack you with all sorts of accusations that you should have said things differently, you should have done things differently, there were things left undone that you didn't do. It, it is shocking to me how horrible he is. And you would think at Christmas that he would take a break and just leave us alone and let us celebrate our Lord's birth. But he doesn't. So this is a message to help you. You're going to have a great Christmas, but when the enemy attacks you, I'm going to tell you what, how to overcome that attack, okay? That's what this message is about. Uh, we're going to read from Psalm 42. Psalm 42 and 43 were written at the same time. They're divided in our Bibles, but they probably were not divided when David wrote them. He probably wrote it as one psalm, all right? He wrote it when he was running from Absalom. Absalom was his son that organized a coup to try to kick him out and take over the throne. So he's losing, it looks like he's losing his family. Uh, it looks like he's losing the position that God gave him to serve people. Looks like he's losing everything. 
and he writes Psalm 42 and 43. Just again to show you a picture of the enemy. Now we're going to be in Psalm 42, but let me just read you. Um, uh, there was a guy named Shimei that when David's leaving, he's acting exactly like Satan. All right, just, just I'll show it to you. 2 Samuel 16, 7 and 8. Also Shimei said thus when he cursed, now he's cursing David, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. Rogue means a worthless person. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned, and the Lord has delivered the kingdom in the hand of Absalom, your son, so now you are caught in your own evil because you're a bloodthirsty man. And verse 13 says, and as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw strong stones at him and kicked up dust. That is exactly the way Satan is. is. It's your fault. Everything that's happening to you right now is your fault. You brought it on yourself. It's all on you. You should have done things differently. Differently, you're worthless. That's the way Satan is. So David flees to the wilderness, and he writes this psalm, and I want you to notice how he starts it. We're going to go through different verses. I'd love to just read it all, but I don't have time, so we'll just highlight some verses. But I want you to notice how he starts it, because you might remember this. Uh, you may have heard this in a song. Psalm 42, verse 1, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. Okay, that used to be a song. It was written in 1984 at Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And just to remind you, if you haven't heard it, I thought, let me just play that one line. Listen to this and see if you remember this song. Do you remember that song? I started to sing it for you, but it would have been unrecognizable. If <clears throat> How many of you have heard that song before? Okay. So he wrote that, Marty wrote that, looking at his Bible, and that's the old King James of this verse. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Okay. Here's the only problem. We don't understand it. It's a great song. It's a great song. But David is writing this when he's under attack. Now, let me explain something to you about deer. I've watched deer for a long time. I've seen deer a, a lot. I have some land with deer on it. I watch deer. I love deer. I feed deer. I take care of deer. I like deer. My son's a deer farmer. It means he grows deer like he grow corn. He grows deer. I know about deer. There's only one time that a deer pants. It's when he's being chased by an enemy. It's the only time he pants. You will never see a deer, if you're somewhere where deer are, you'll never see a deer just walk casually into your yard and look like a dog. <laughs> they don't walk around like that. They only pant when they're being chased. And when they're being chased by an enemy, they use up to 80% of their water reserves. If they're chased hard enough, they'll die. The first thing a deer does, the first thing he does after getting away is find water. It's the first thing he does. Uh, to, some of you have seen this like on the Discovery Channel, like maybe a gazelle, like in Africa, being chased by a lion or a leopard. You ever seen that? Okay, how many of you like it when the gazelle gets away? See, okay, the rest of you are sickos. 
But the first thing the gazelle's going to do <laughs> is go to water. Okay, so David writes this. So you gotta, you gotta understand this psalm. He's being chased by the enemy, and he says, my soul is tired of running, and my soul is panting. The same way a deer pants when he's been chased by the enemy, I'm panting. But, he says, I'm panting for you. You're the only one that can refresh me. Listen to me, God's the water when you're under attack. He's the only one place you can get refreshment. So, I wanna give you four things to do when you're under attack, all right? So, remember these, four things. All right, number one, recognize that you're in a battle. Recognize you're in a battle. You're not just sad, you know, just have some sad emotions or sad memories, you are in a battle. Look at verse three, Psalm 42, verse three. My tears have been my food day and night, while they, they, now I'm gonna come back to they in a moment, continually say to me, where is your God? Notice the words they. Okay, we need to know who they are. And I'm gonna show you who they are in this scripture, but I don't know if y'all noticed, but they get blamed for a lot of things. You know, I hear all the time, someone will say something, I'll say, well, where'd you hear that? They say it. Or, or maybe you hear this, you know, they don't make things like they used to. Who are they? Okay, well, David's gonna tell us who they are in this verse, all right? Verses nine and 10, I will say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with the breaking of my bones, my enemies? My enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? That's exactly what the enemy does. David had literal enemies, we have spiritual enemies. Here's what they say, where's God? Where's your God? Look what you're going through. You have served God, and now this person that you love has passed away, you've served God, and now you've lost your job, you've served God, you've lost your marriage, you've served God, where's your God? That's the way Satan is. So you need to recognize you're in a battle. You're in a spiritual battle. I wanna teach you a phrase that I hope you'll learn to use this phrase when you're in a battle. It's a great phrase. It's from Zechariah 3 and Jude verse nine. The Lord rebuke you. When Satan is coming against you, say to him, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. In other words, you need to know you're in a battle. So, but let me tell you, I got two subpoints under point number one, recognize you're in a battle. So here's A, when you're in a battle, you need to realize A, it's real. It's real. It's a real spiritual battle. You're not just having some memories, but the enemy is trying to jump on those, enemy, on those memories. He's trying to jump on you. So it's real, okay? Everyone got it's real? You got that, A? Okay, here's B, it's a lie. It's a lie. Now, I know that's an oxymoron. You say, well, which is it? Is it real or is it a lie? It's, it's a real lie. <laughs> that's what it is. That's the way Satan works, he lies. He's the father of lies. That's what he's called, and he will lie to you. He will say to you, when you get down, when you get tired, when you're under attack, he will say to you, you've blown it too many times, uh, you, you, you've mis messed up too many times, it's never gonna work out for you, you're worse, you're different, you're worse than everyone else. That's the voice of the enemy. Here's what you need to say. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. 
Don't you dare talk to a child of God like that. That's what you ought to be telling Satan. I'm telling you what people think is they think, well, I just have a problem with depression every now and then. No, you're in a battle, just like all of us. We're all in a battle. It's a real battle. Now, let me tell you something else about Satan. This is how good he is. This is how good he is. He will produce evidence to back up his lie. He will. Now, you need to know something about the evidence. It's false evidence, but he'll produce it. And I'll give you a great example in the Bible. Joseph's brothers brought Joseph's coat to their father. It was torn and bloody. And the father said, a wild animal must have eaten my son. Okay, but did a wild animal eat Joseph? No, but he had evidence. He probably kept that coat. Every now and then he probably pulled it out, mourning for his son that his son had been eaten by an animal because he had a coat that was torn with blood on it. That's how good Satan is. He will produce evidence. You know, it's, it's amazing to me, like in marriage, it's, it's really easy for Satan to lie in marriage because he tells one of the biggest lies to, to couples, and, and I can't believe that they believe it. Here's what he says. You know, you're not meant for each other. You're opposites. Well, of course you are. If you were alike, you'd kill each other. You can't live with someone like you. Someone who likes to be on time marries someone. Okay, never mind. Let's not. <laughs> so recognize you're in a battle. But you need to know about the battle. It's a real spiritual battle, but it's a lie. Satan is lying to you. Okay, here's the second thing. When you're in a battle, when you're under attack, number two, stop listening to yourself. Stop listening to yourself. Listen to verse four, how David, I'm telling you, David starts this way, but he changes in Psalm 42 and 43, and we'll, you'll see it, but you ought to go back and read both these Psalms uh, later in this week. Verse four, when I remember these things, when I remember these things, watch, I pour out my soul within me. I just talk to myself. And then you can hear him pouring out his soul. Now remember, he's being driven out of the city, so he says, I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. <laughs> with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept it being, woe is me. Listen, when you're depressed, don't try to cheer yourself up. <laughs> it's a depressed person trying to cheer a depressed person up. It doesn't work. You need to get around someone else that will encourage you, that will minister to you. You need to get in the Word. You need to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You need to put on some worship music. When you're in, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Some of you this season, many of us, will have some sort of a battle in the next month. But you need to recognize it's a battle. It's spiritual, and then you need to do something. Here's a good little saying, attack back. When you get attacked, attack back. Put on some worship music. Get in the presence of God. Attack back. But stop listening to yourself. I remember uh, we do need to learn to be able to talk out our feelings, but um, men are not normally programmed to talk about their feelings. 
Some men are better than others. I'm not trying to stereotype all women and all men, but for the most part, even scientific studies show women talk about their feelings much better. I don't, I personally, I don't believe that men come uh, assembled from the factory emotionally. <laughs> I think that's your job, ladies, to help a man get in touch with his feelings. And so I can remember one time I was depressed. Debbie said, we need to talk about it. I said, I don't want to talk about it. Well, you need to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. This just, you need to, though. Well, I started talking about it. You know what happened? She got depressed, too. <laughs> I told her after a little while, I'm going back to being a man. I'm not going to talk about my feelings. Now, that's not the answer. But you need to talk about it in the right way. And so I'm going to help you do that. That's the next part. Now, remember, this message has oxymorons in it. It's, it's, it's real, and it's a lie. Okay, watch this. First, point two was stop listening to yourself. Uh, point three, start talking to yourself. Now, I know you say, yeah, but they'll take me away. No, just start talking to yourself the right way. Now, here's what I mean by that. It's your soul. David said, I pour out my soul within me. Soul is another word for self. Psyche, the psyche. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your thoughts you're having problems with. It's your emotions, your feelings you're having problems with, and that will affect your decisions. Okay, so stop. Here's what I'm actually saying. Here's these two points. When I say stop listening to yourself, start talking to yourself, here's what I'm saying. Stop listening to your soul. Start talking to your soul. You see what I'm saying? Stop listening to your, the soulish part of you and let your spirit start talking to the soulish part of you. David says it, Psalm 42, verse 5. He says, why are you cast down? Now, remember the words cast down, O my soul. And why are you disquieted? Disquieted would simply mean not quite. Why are you being loud within me? Hope in God. Now, listen how he's talking to his soul. He's cheering himself up because he's letting his spirit cheer himself up. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Why are you cast down? Okay, this word cast down literally means depressed. It means pressed down, pushed down, cast down, depressed. Think about this. We, we don't even think about the word depression, but uh, when you get in the car, you depress the gas pedal. It just means to push down. If you're depressed, it just means you're being pushed down but recognize who's pushing you down, that there is an enemy. That's what David is saying. I know who's doing this. There's an enemy, and he's trying to push me down. So he starts talking to his soul. This word disquieted means to roar or to growl. Literally, like a matter of fact, most of the time when it's translated, it's translated roar. My soul is roaring within me. It'd be like if you were sitting beside someone, um, like in a meeting at work, and you didn't have breakfast, and it's getting around noontime, and your stomach starts growling. I don't know if you ever had that happen. And you just say, I didn't have breakfast this morning. You know, you're just trying to explain it. And you just keep, okay, that's what David is saying. He's, he's saying, like, why, why do you keep rumbling inside of me, soul? Why are you growling? Why are you roaring? Um, another place he talks to his soul like a baby. Uh, look at this, Psalm 131, verse 2. Surely I have calmed and quieted, quieted my soul, 
like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. A weaned child. Okay, so what do you do when you wean a child? You take the child off of milk, put it on solid food, right? But when you first start trying to take the bottle away from a child, what's a baby going to do? Cry, throw a fit, throw a temper tantrum, right? Okay, that's what your soul does. Your soul starts throwing a fit. Paul said to him in 1 Corinthians, he said to the Corinthian church, I should be feeding you solid food by now, but I still have to give you milk because they were soulish people. See, you have a spirit and you have a soul. Your spirit should rule over your soul. Matter of fact, this is a, a, a scriptural principle. Uh, let, me, let me show it to you. First of all, let me explain to you before I show it to you. Um, your soul comes alive at conception. There's a personality formed in the womb, and then you watch, if you, you have children, if you've been around children, you've seen they have different personalities, and you're shocked. I mean, this child is this young, and he's already doing these things, you know? Um, Grady is sitting down here my grandson. Grady uh, would line all of his cars up the same way, or they point the same way when he was like two years old. I'm talking about like a hundred cars. He'd line them up all where they exactly, bumper to bumper, the exact same distance, everything. It's got to be a perfect line for him. He was only two. You could already see his personality. Remember one time, Debbie, she calls her Gigi. She was, he turned around to do something, and she, for just for fun, took one of the cars and turned it around the other way. And he turned around like this, and we turned back around. He went, Gigi, don't, and turned the car back around. Because <laughs> he knew that car does not face that way. Okay, have you, have you noticed personalities? Okay, so that's your soul. Then you get saved. And the Bible says our spirit, which was dead in trespasses and sins, comes alive. So I got saved when I was 19. Well, my soul had been in charge for 19 years. Myself, I was selfish. I was a selfish person. I did what I wanted to do. A soulish person is a selfish person. And then the spirit comes in charge, and the spirit says, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to blow up at people when we get mad, because that's not like Jesus. And of course, our soul, being the loving person that he is, <laughs> says, okay. No, it throws a fit because your soul wants to do what you want to do. Are, are y'all following me? So this is a principle that the older shall serve the younger. The soul being older, the, the spirit being younger, comes alive when we get born again. Uh, it's Genesis 25, 23. And the Lord said to her, this is talking about Jacob and Esau, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. That's Jacob and Esau. Same thing with Rachel and Leah. Isaac and Ishmael, Joseph being the younger and his brothers, uh, David and his brothers, David was the youngest, even the prodigal son, the younger and the older, the older brother, remember? Now, don't go out of here and say, I knew it, I now have scriptural proof that the youngest child in our family is the favorite according to God, I now have scriptural <laughs> proof. I've always felt like that, and now I know. No, this is a spiritual principle, okay? That's, that's what I'm trying to tell you. We, we have a joke in our family. Um, Josh was uh, more easygoing than James and Elaine. I think Elaine is somewhere in there. I don't see, okay, they're not here right now in this service, but 
if we, we have Josh, James, and then Elaine. Okay, so three kids. If we had just had Josh, Debbie and I would be traveling the country doing parenting seminars. <laughs> saying, what is so hard about this, people? But then we had two strong-willed children. And they were strong-willed. So we would talk about, so one, James then would say, started joking, Josh is the favorite. He's the favorite. And then he started saying, and Elaine is the favorite too, because she's the only girl in the family. And she's the baby. So really, Josh and Elaine, they're the favorites. That's the way James would say this. And so that kind of became a family joke. You know, we always would just joke, well, you know, they're the favorites, and you're not the favorite. You know, we just joke about it. Well, then, as I told you a few weeks ago, Josh is going to move to Austin and plant a church next year. Well, Ethan Lane have talked to us about moving in a few years and planting a church. So when we were at the family meeting about it, Debbie just decided to play on the family joke, and she said, well, from now on, James is the favorite child. <laughs> and then Josh, being as quick as he is, said, notice she said from now on, which means we were the favorites. <laughs> So we're not talking about biological children here. I'm talking about a principle, and the principle is that your spirit should rule over your soul. Here's what you have to do when you're under attack. You have to let your spirit tell your soul to shut up. That's what David was doing. His soul was complaining, and then he says, hey, stop it. And his spirit starts telling his soul, stop that you stop that. So you stop talking to your, stop listening to yourself, start talking to yourself. And here's the fourth one, go to God. When you're under attack, you better get to God like a deer needs to get to water. Now, I read Psalm 42 verse 5 a moment ago. I want to read it to you again because I'm going to show you um, how 42 and 43, they're the same psalm. But you're going to see the same verse three times. I, and I, but I want to show you something about this verse. Psalm 42, verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. All right, verse 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God. For Psalm 43, verse 5, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? See, it's another psalm, but it's the same. It's all written together. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Now, those three verses sound like exactly the same, but they're not. There's a really big difference, and I'm going to show you the difference. Psalm 42, verse 5 says, the help of his countenance. Countenance is your face. His countenance. Verse 11 says, the help of my countenance, and 43.5 says the help of my countenance. Okay, here's what David is actually saying. When I look at his face, it changes my face. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if I'll look at his countenance, it'll change my countenance. Now, um, again, I understand it's difficult to talk about people that we've lost and it can be very sensitive. And I'm not trying to push in on your private space as I'm doing this, but I really do want to help you. But you think about this. When you're sad about something, 
You can do your very, very best to hide it. But people are going to see it, and where are they going to see it? On your face. Could be at Christmas. You could be in the other room thinking everybody's here, I need to go out, and I don't want to ruin everybody's day for them. And so you do your best to straighten up, and then you walk out, and your family looks, takes one look at your face and says, what's wrong? And you can't hide it anymore. Okay, I am not at all, not at all putting you down for that. We're humans, we have emotions, that's natural, that's normal. You're gonna have emotions. I'm just saying, don't let Satan attack you during that time without you attacking back. And the best way to attack back is to get with God. You know what David was sad about? When you read this psalm, I read a a little bit to you. He said, I used to go with the multitude to the house of God. Okay, he's being driven out of Jerusalem. He's losing his throne and he's losing his family. But you know what he's most sad about? He's leaving the church. He's leaving the temple. He can't go back into the temple. And he's sad about it, but he remembers something. This is what is so good. You don't have to be in church to enter the presence of God. Now, I know this statement is not theologically accurate, but I mean it just to, to, just to uh, help us understand something. David, this is the guy that invented personal worship. <laughs> this is the guy that when he was just a shepherd, could play his harp so skillfully and worship God so skillfully that they brought him to get an evil spirit to leave the king. This is a personal worshiper. He's leaving and he says, oh, I'm just gonna, I just miss that I'm not gonna get to go into the presence of God. And somewhere between Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, it dawns on him, I can go into the presence of God right here even when I'm running from my enemy. And I think David said something like this. Uh, Bring my harp. Make sure you bring my harp because I'm gonna get in the presence of God no matter where I am. I um, I was driving to preach somewhere one time. I was by myself in a car. I think I was just driving somewhere in Oklahoma to just go up and speak one night and come back. And um, I was, um, there was an attack of the enemy coming against me. And I thought, I felt like I was praying, but in, in reality, to be truthful, I was griping. I don't know if you've ever done that. But I was explaining to God how he could better take care of the situation. I was giving him some ideas that he had probably not thought of yet. I was helping him do his job better, and I was griping at him because he was late. And the Lord said to me, stop it. Just like that, stop it. Stop griping at me. And then he said to me, son, you enter my gates with thanksgiving, not with complaining. You come into my courts with praise. So I put some worship music on, and he said to me, he said, you stop doing that, and you start thanking me. I remember I put some worship music on, and in the middle I said, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. I wasn't really into it, but I got into it because I started thinking about how great he really is. And I've been forgiven for every sin. And I'm going to heaven. And I'm born again by the word of God, and I'm kept by the power of God, and I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. And I'm seated in heavenly places, and all things are under my feet, and I have authority over all the power of the enemy. And pretty soon I started saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for real. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it seemed like he just filled the presence of the car. It's like he was sitting in the seat beside me, and I thought, Lord, you are so good. You are so good. And then I remember he said to me, now what was it you wanted to talk to me about? <laughs> and here's what I said. Here's the tr- I said, I forgot. And he said, I'll tell you what it is. You want to talk to me about this? And he said, this is what he said, and this is what I'm doing about it. And you were talking about this, and this is how I'm handling it. And you wanted to talk about this, and I'll, it will be done. He said something. It will be done next week. I'm taking care of it. When you're under attack, you better get to some water. This is water. That's what David was saying. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And every time you hear a message, you need to personalize the message. So I just want every person here, every person at every campus, to just simply say in your heart, in your heart, just say to the Lord, just right now, you don't have to say it out loud, just in your heart, just say, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask him, what are you saying to me through this message? And I want to just remind you that we're, we're entering into one of the most joyous seasons of the year. But there are going to be some sad times, some sad memories. But if the enemy is so cruel as to jump on those and attack you, you need to attack back. And you need to go and get a very fresh, cool drink of water and spend some time in the presence of the Lord. And we want to pray for you. No matter what you're going through, all of us go through different things. Don't ever be embarrassed to ask for prayer at church. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church when we have this time of prayer. If you need prayer, we're going to have prayer teams at the front of every campus, every overflow room. If you need prayer for any area of your life, then you just come to one of the leaders at the front of the room where you are and just say, I need prayer. Whatever you're going through, just say, I need prayer for this. I need prayer for that. And let us pray for you. In other words, let two agree. Jesus said, if two of you will agree on anything, it'll be done according to the will of my Father in heaven. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, as soon as we stand up in just a moment, we'll have one more worship song. As soon as we stand up, then you just stand up, step out and come to the front and let us pray for you, all right, at every campus. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person that has any prayer need in Jesus' name, amen.